Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. And we're talking to the writer and the director, Tess Seddon. Hello, Tess. Hi. Nice to have you with us and it's nice to see you around the chapel. Are you enjoying working at the chapel? Yeah, it's great. Um, It's such a nice place to work and it's, uh, yeah, it's really brilliant to to use all the studios and everything. So tell us first of all what what you're actually doing at uh, Chapel FM at the moment. Uh, So I'm working with a group of six uh, local young people and um, it's with a project with my theatre company called Theatre State um, and we are learning um, about politics um, and making a podcast about it. So we've gone on a bit of a journey. Uh, We're kind of interviewing politicians and activists. Um, We're trying to get into Parliament, but uh, all of our attempts seem thwarted at the moment. who knew that it was impossible to get in? Um, uh, but we are, yeah, and so these young people, they started off, um, they all said they, they didn't feel like they knew anything about politics or the political system. Um, and uh, along this process, we're, we're kind of exploring what does it mean? How does it work? How do you register to vote? Like, I didn't know, for example, that you could register to vote at 16, even though you can't vote to 18. Um, and I didn't know as well that you could apply to be a baroness or a lord in the House of Lords. You just do an application. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you also have to pay someone in a certain party to let you in, but um, or do a favour. But you can actually just apply. Um, so we've learned loads of really interesting things, and they're um, they're making a podcast as we go uh, that kind of explores that, and hopefully is for other young people to listen to as well and demystify what's not taught in schools basically how, how did you recruit those young people to the group uh so we um uh through a range of different ways we got in touch with uh, some local schools and um uh three of the group their head teacher passed on the um information and um the rest of the group we met through the kentmere community club and um uh Naomi at oh fall into place yeah Naomi from fall into place was brilliantly helpful and um we kind of spoke to a couple of groups there and uh yeah got got the the other three from there so um yeah it's it's exciting a few of them have never been to chapel quite a few of them have never been to chapel fm before so that they've really loved being there Um, and one of them is a a a very dedicated uh regular at chapel fm so it's great to have a mix it is worrying, though, that, that it's so hard to get into Parliament at the moment and to get young people into Parliament. It would seem absolutely essential that that access is open. What 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 is that about? What's what's going on? Do you think is it to do with COVID or something else? So they, uh, I think it's um, to do with COVID. Meant that a lot of the trips were cancelled, uh, like closed down. So may, and then they reopened it. So there was a lot of demand. You have to pay quite a lot to go in, um, and but actually every citizen of the United Kingdom is um, uh, meant to be allowed to go in if they contact their MP. We've been contacting Richard Bergen, um, is that how you say his name? Yep. Uh, for uh, quite a few times, and he's not replied, um, so shout out if he's listening. Um, and I've also asked a few other contacts, but I think they have changed um, the rules since the MP was stabbed uh, recently because uh, they've cancelled all um, all trips but um, yeah the um, uh, assistant of Rachel Reeves is helping us um, so if when they do reopen uh, hopefully we can get in but I think what we'll do instead if we, if we can't get in is we'll just go and like um, apparently someone told us that you can just get there's an office you can go into and demand to see an MP and by law they have to they, someone has to meet you so <laughs> the group were getting pretty excited about going to demand <laughs> uh, 
Um. Yeah. Well, the best of luck with that test because, um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is absolutely vital, I think, that young people can, can... I took my son there when he was about 15 or 14 weeks for our local MP and we had a fantastic day and actually it really... Uh, it really led on to other things for him so i think you know in terms of being interested in politics so yeah i really have, wish you the best with that now tracking back to uh to 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 you and your kind of origins in this work i mean you, which came first the the writing or the directing for you you're a you're a director and a writer and we'll come on to 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 the to the piece that's going to be at leeds playhouse in december uh, so tell yeah let's say how how, how did it start um, so I, uh, I think I, I first started wanting to be a director, um, and then um, I think I came to writing accidentally. Really, uh, I wanted as a director, I kind of wanted to make shows. Um, I would have ideas for shows, and, and I'd work with actors to kind of create them. But then there always seemed to be a bit where you had to write it down. Um, and shape it and and I would always be the person that would write it up and and over time my process kind of changed to, to where it started with me writing and then working with actors on it and then rewriting and working with actors and rewriting so um I think it, it's come out of like uh, a, a desire to like make new work um I think so through the directing probably that's interesting yes so the directing definitely came first and was it always directing with you or did you uh were you an actor or, and got into it that way how, how, how was it simply yeah how, how did your kind of uh yeah connection to theater first happen uh so i used to be a really shy uh introverted teenager and um my sister was really into into like drama club and so uh i grew up in ilkley um she used to go to ilkley playhouse like saturday club and so i just i would do a lot of things that my sister would do so i went along as well um and then i just really loved it from there and um i decided i wanted to be an actor and then I went to university and realised that I couldn't act because every time I acted, I would smile awkwardly because I knew that I was like lying and I'm a terrible liar. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then I discovered directing. Um, and I think the thing I really liked was like having the the eye over everything and, and creating the world and shaping it. And, and I guess that also is true for my writing. That's that's the bit I love, the kind of creating a world and bending rules and um, yeah, being playful. And I mean, some people, yeah, I mean, some people might wonder if, maybe some people listening some young people listening thinking oh, i really want to get into to directing is there some kind of sort of structure for for getting into directing as a profession within the arts within theater how, how, how was it what was your journey with that oh gosh i mean i'm feeling a bit down about direct like the journeys into directing today um i think it's quite uh, i think it's quite hard it's quite um I think it's got better. It was very elitist when I came out of uni. I think there was a lot of people who knew people who would get jobs. Um, I think the traditional route is uh, that you um, you become an assistant director. So you kind of assist uh, more established directors, you learn from them, and then you begin like trying to put on your own shows. Um, and kind of, uh, yeah, I think, um, you can do, there's an MA at Birkbeck, but I don't really agree with that because I think um, you kind of pay to be placed in a theatre and I think that's a job and you're taking a job from a local person. Uh, but that's my that's my opinion. But um, I think, uh, yeah, I think there's lots of different routes. My, my favourite route to directing and the one I think that will feed people's souls and practice and work is much better than sitting in the back of a room while another director directs I think it's uh, just making your own work and putting on like getting a group of friends together and just putting something on um inviting people to see it that's that's kind of how I started off um yeah 
and since then i mean you've obviously uh i mean i i totally agree with you and that's 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 what i've seen directors do and actually as a writer i think that's that that is also something you have to do you can't really wait for people to put your stuff on you have to be proactive with it get out there and do it yourself although that can be hard and it's you must have the confidence to to do that i guess but you, it, it's led you to your directing's led you all around the world i mean you've, you've worked in moscow and berlin tell us a bit about that yeah that was um i was very jammy to get that so that was a uh um a british council um award that i got um and i went to work with the electro theater in uh, moscow and uh i kind of just that was more like an observation um experience so it was amazing i got i managed to go to moscow i met all these amazing uh kind of underground theater directors i was convinced i was like being tracked by the police <laughs> went a bit mad um I, i'm sure i wasn't um and then um yeah and i i what i kind of watched this insane theater piece that lasted for seven days um, and it was like eight hours a day. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't for me. It was quite full on. But it was really. It was just a really interesting way of watching how they work as an ensemble because they, they their theatres have been people employed, like huge teams of actors employed, to just work whenever they want to put a show on. And the same in Berlin. And that was an amazing experience. I. I um, was mentored by uh, someone from Gob Squad, who are like a, a really exciting, they're kind of an Anglo-German theatre company, and they make really like uh, interesting kind of work that uses a lot of video and like live cameras, and they're really playful. Um, and then also I managed to wangle my way in somehow to rehearsals with a director called Sebastian Newbling as he was working on a new piece. Um, and that was with their Exile Ensemble. So that was um, a group of um, actors who um, were living in Germany, but had got there through being refugees and asylum seekers. Um, but in their home countries, they were actors. Uh, and that was an amazing experience. And um, yeah, really inspiring and really like the work they were making was really exciting. Um, so yeah, that was like a, a just an amazing award that I got to just like learn and be in rooms and, um, yeah soak up like totally different theatre culture and now you're connected to Leeds Playhouse how, how did that come about and what's your what's what's your connection there um yeah so in uh uh 2016 I um was appointed the trainee resident director so um that was um, a point where I um, assist, so I was there for a year and that was really exciting because I think often as a, a working in the arts, you're kind of going from one short term job to the other and to have a, a whole year of just training. And um, I assistant directed on four show, big shows. And before that, I'd only ever really, I'd assistant directed on one big show before, but um I'd only kind of made work on a smaller scale. So I just got to really learn about how the building worked. And like, I met loads of brilliant people and artists and actors. And um, I really felt connected to uh, to Leeds where I'd grown up. So it was great to be like back. And um, yeah, and then since then I've um, uh, been invited back to direct a few different things and um, I run uh, the National Theatre's New Views playwriting um, hub there uh, where I work with young people to write their first play um, and uh, I'm also developing Say Yes to Tess which um, was uh, which began development while I was while I was working there in 2017 which is so long ago now. Yeah, Tess, we'll, we'll come to that in a, in a minute. But first of all, I wanted to pick you up on something you said, which was, you know, you work with young writers and young people. And I and uh, you've also, uh, I noticed on your, web, on your website that you say you really enjoy working with people who are new to theatre. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, uh, so I guess um, I'm really interested in um, uh, 
people who uh, might not have performed in theatre before or like um, working with um, there's something quite interesting to me about uh, real life stories meeting uh, meeting the kind of like the polish of a theatrical um, performance so um, yeah I guess like for example with the Exile Ensemble well they were professionally trained actors um, but I think um, uh, it, like working with people who've not worked in theatre before so like working with communities or working with um, young people um, to, to develop their shows so like last Christmas for example I while we were all locked in in that absolute nightmare and uh, I made a I developed a zoom show with some young people that was called uh, Christmas isn't cancelled and that was really a great way of exploring like what was going on for them about everything being cancelled and being like 16 17 um and then we kind of made it into a show where a group of young people were zooming each other um, because their Christmas party had been cancelled. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I think I think there's something really exciting about working with people who haven't, um, who kind of are learning the craft of theatre, um, as well as you know working with trained actors who are kind of. Um, have that polish and that skill uh, uh, kind of creating aliveness but I also love it when I kind of love it when people are a bit rough and ready on stage and you do get a sense of who they are and um, that they're slightly out of their comfort zone yes that can be very interesting to watch and uh, on stage I think and very sometimes the polish and the sheen uh, the buff of that kind of professionalism it can sometimes get in the way for me and uh, it's lovely to see people uh, you know just there for the first time and really experiencing the thrill of, of, of performing something that that is theirs and uh, yeah so totally get that um t so tell us yeah about say yes to Tess. how did that that happen this is the the, the musical that's um coming to to yeah to Leeds Playhouse very soon yeah, so that's coming to Leeds Playhouse in March, um, and um, this is, it was a, so when I was at Leeds Playhouse as assistant director, I was also, um, because I'd, I'd grown up in Yorkshire and then I'd moved to London because um, I felt like there were more opportunities to, to direct down there, and then I got the job at Leeds Playhouse and moved back up. And I felt I've, I've not got a thick Yorkshire accent um, and uh, I kind of felt a bit like I didn't know where I belonged. Um, but at the same time, I, I noticed the um, uh, there was a party called the Yorkshire Party and um, I'd seen that they'd like gagged a statue on Yorkshire Day. And it just made me laugh because I just thought, what on earth does Yorkshire need its own parliament for? It's not Scotland. It's not Wales. Um, what is going on and and there were all these men um, in flat caps in the pictures and I just thought what what has happened here so I went I was I thought it would make a brilliant like satirical musical and at the time it was the time of Brexit and I thought they were like this was like a really extreme version of Brexit like they want to just independence from everything um and so I went along to a uh, the Yorkshire Party political conference which was in the, a Quaker meeting room in York. And um, and they were all very intrigued. They all thought I was a journalist. Um, and one of them came over to me and he was like, I've been told to butter up the journalist. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, and I, I have to say, like, I was like quite cynical and I was like laughing, like sniggering along because it was quite um, eccentric to say the least. There was like this strange animation and um, there was someone talking about how she dedicated her life to changing the bound, reversing the boundary changes that, that Margaret Thatcher put in place. And <laughs> I just thought, what does all this mean? Like there's bigger things going on in the world. And then they, in the afternoon of this conference, they all were kind of sat around um, planning like what they would do if they had power like if they had uh, budgets and like how they would redistribute it and how they would run Yorkshire and and suddenly something shifted in me and I thought who am I to laugh at this because I, I don't do anything um I don't I vote every four years but what what am I actually doing and like actually maybe if you believe that you can have power 
it's better to you know that's better way of living than just living in a kind of cynical <laughs> cynical version of like well nothing will ever change um so then I thought well there's no there's no musical in this um so I went I went away and then the snap election was called uh, in 2017 and the Yorkshire party tweeted saying does anyone want to stand which I thought was really funny because I thought that was a kind of insane way of getting candidates just asking anyone on the internet uh, so I retweeted it as a joke and then they messaged me saying we'd love you to stand um and I was like absolutely not I'm not a politician and they were like anyone can be a politician um and uh, which actually became a, a song in the show um and then so yeah so after a lot of to and throwing, I ended up standing and the musical is basically my story of, of standing in the general election for the Yorkshire party from going and the journey kind of uh, I went on and, and the people in my life went on at the time to um, kind of wrestling with our, you know, our democracy, who has the right to speak in it um, and like, um, yeah, and, and also how the system maybe doesn't allow it only really allows for two voices, the Labour Party and the Conservative Party. And actually, that doesn't feel reflective of a, of a, a society that has much more than two opinions. Um, so, yeah, it's about me grappling with the system, I guess, but <laughs> set to the show tunes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's hopefully it's lots of fun and um, is like a really great night out. Oh, fascinating. What a great idea for a, a show. Uh, and yeah, sort of grappling with the system, but also sort of grappling with, yeah, the trying to understand the system because sometimes it can seem very dense and uh, sort of maze-like to people outside it. Yeah, you were being, being an insider. What an insight. Yeah. So, well, yeah, when, when's it on? Uh, oh, do you know what? It's a good question, and probably one I should know. Uh, I think it's it's March and April. Um, oh, do you know what? Here are the dates. It is from the twenty fourth of March to the second of April. Um, but tickets aren't on sale just yet. Um, they should be announced in the coming weeks. So that's oh, a sneak preview. Yeah, we should look out for that. So, is, is it a full length, you know, two hour job? Uh, it is my favourite length for a play, which is an hour and 15, no interval. Uh, <laughs> so you go kind of on a, you go on a ride, but there's also time for a drink after. Marvellous. And you've written the, um, the what, what, how, how, do, how do we say musicals? It's the book, isn't it? The, uh, and also the music, or have you got a composer? Oh, absolutely. I have not written the music. Uh, so another thing about the show is that I'm actually tone deaf. Uh, so I can't, my singing voice is atrocious. So it's so bad that at school, my singing teacher, well, the choir teacher asked me not to sing. Um, so I used to just have to hold the song sheets, um, uh, which is a bit of a feature in the in the show because we're kind of exploring whose voices are allowed to be heard, um, hence the music. Um, but uh, yeah, the music has been written by uh, Harry Blake, who is an incredible, a very funny composer um, and uh, just amazing at writing kind of really emotionally packed songs, but also just hilarious lyrics. It kind of makes my words, um, yeah, look worse because the, the songs are so good um but yeah so um and harry was the he was the resident composer at the playhouse at the time i was there um so that's how we met fantastic well uh we're gonna hear a, a song now from say yes to test so maybe just uh yeah if you could introduce it tess Yes, uh, this song is uh, called Anyone Can Be a Politician and it's uh, inspired by the moment I met up with the Yorkshire Party in a coffee shop, uh, 164, and uh, they convinced me to stand in the general election. 164, that's not a very Yorkshire cafe. <laughs> no, and that is in the, in the show. They, uh, yeah, they, there are quite a few jokes about them. Not many cloth uh, cats in there. No. <laughs> um, yeah. 
But anyway, yeah, that, that, that sounds brilliant. Okay, so we're going to hear, say, uh, anyone can be a, a politician. And thanks, Tess Seven, for talking to us uh, today. I'm really looking forward to seeing the musical when it happens in at the Playhouse in March, April next year. So, yeah, cheers, Tess. so much to Tessa Seven, director and writer, for that interview. And we look forward to Say Yes to Tess, which is coming to the Leeds Playhouse next year. Now we're going to hear a couple of poems from the poet Christine Bousfield, who sent in some recordings for us. Always lovely to feature Christine's work on East Leeds FM. And after that, an interview with a gentleman called Jack. Jack came in for uh, an older people's morning the other day and we grabbed him for an interview. He is 98 years old and he really is a part of Leeds history and uh, was prepared to talk to us on that particular sunny day. John Christopher, 1955 to 2021. My late brother. I didn't recognise you after the first wave. My white hair flying wider than Mary B's. You bald, no teeth as usual, worse for wear. But where are you now, forever disappearing up and down Yorkshire-dale, digging an abyss in the yard? Toddler, dungarees, long, curling lashes, aiming for the other side of noonlight. And me skirting around my beginning, evading my end, 
beyond the pale absent de tout in the mesh bin at the top of bowling graveyard. You died out of turn. Someone had the idea of a gentleman you never were. Better cremated in a linen t-shirt. Now thinner, smaller in your mock alderman's tuxedo. Rimless glasses like the tailor of Gloucester sewing up your own fate. Edwin Pounds Limited broke open your jaw to insert teeth long after the event. You'd pay £2,000 for your own end ink will but forgot to sign. Us scuttling around for affidavits and letters of administration. Don't doubt that I love you, despite levity and prevarication. By Aristotelian logic, I'll not be far behind you. Both stitched up nicely, so we can no longer disturb the living. Femme savante, wise women. Ethel, squashy, her pinny sniffing of broth and porridge, purple evening in Paris, Mackison's best, House in Harewood Street, she heaving my pram over the white-edged stone steps, groaning, Oh, ah! I learnt phonetic oppositions. Oh, ah was a woman of the streets. She was warning me about those things. I said I quite fancied them. She could never stand that sort of thing. Go and stick it in all in wall, she shouted at Grandad. Auntie Jenny, dying, told Mum about their brother out of wedlock. Granny had a long-kept, quiet reason for warning us girls about those things. I'm glad Granny Ua taught me to talk, and I will. Parties in the blackout got her girls home safe, marshalled the young men with jam tarts, sore eyes, Dad called them. Her party's famous in Bradford for us kids too. Treacle in long thin squiggles on our porridge. Yorkshire's God's own crisp cooked in the black leaded oven by the sink in the cupboard. Horse-haired sofa for forty winks afternoons itching the back of my legs. A dresser, marble monument I climbed in to hide. Humbugs, Fenning's fever cure. Hide from... From who? A bed with five women, three her own, me singing them to them all night from my cot. Skirmishes downstairs with poker and shovel. I want to die, she cries. Don't die, mother, please don't die. Winnie, austere forever in green and black-grey apron, arpeggios up the piano, did you ever go across the sea to Ireland? Pot hot water bottles in the bed with Susan. Bourneville tin phone across the street. She knitting feverish hairy wool vests. I asked for what's for tea. Her painted tulip, tulip tea set ready. Story of a kid disappointing, disappointed, wanting it to be peaches turns out poached eggs. Ilkley and Harrogate, her favourite places. Betty stole her fatty rascals. We rolled on the board over the bath in the kitchen. Currants, sugar, lard, flour. Good for farmers in fields, not lardy da Betty's ladies. And apple pies. No sugar. An exquisite rose curled on top. A scream. Blood. Mr Lloyd dead by the midden from his ladder beside bucket and leather. Mum scrubbed down the flags as she scrubbed down everything since Impetigo when her hair cut off. Her dad crying as he's cutting crying her lovely dark ringlets. <laughs> I know what I'm going And I know who's going with me I know who I love But the dear knows who I'll marry 
have stockings of silk, shoes of fine green leather, combs to buckle my hair, and a ring for every finger. Feather beds are painted rooms. So on this beautiful. Thursday morning, we're talking to Jack Mortimer. Hello, Jack. Hello. It's very nice to have you with us here. Nice to be here. It's a change for me. Well, uh, it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know that you've come in to perhaps to just to look around and, and do a bit of art or whatever. Is that right today? Well, this is the first time I, the first time I've been because, as I said before, uh, my time is limited. My time is limited because, of course, my wife is in is at home yeah. and I visit every day. So. Yeah. Um, that takes up uh, a, a portion of the day, which in the middle of the day, which I can't. Yeah. That's it. So, Jack, yeah, I mean, if I, if it's not rude to say this, you are of a very grand age. Yes. <laughs> Ninety-eight on Monday, is it? On Monday. That's an extraordinary, uh, an extraordinary mm. thing. Ninety-eight. So you were born in nineteen twenty. Nineteen twenty-three. Nineteen twenty-three. Tenth of October. Eleventh of October. So your birthday on Monday and birthday on Monday. Does ninety eight feel like a particularly special landmark? No, not at all. Uh, I all all my life, I, I've I've never worried about age. Age, as far as I am concerned, possibly is uh, is simply a number. Absolutely. Um, people uh, people are old at seventy. Sometimes people are old at eighty. I'm pretty lucky. I've got to ninety eight. Do you have aches and pains, or are you still spry? No, I've got a bit of a bad back. Um, a, a little bit constipated. <laughs> 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 Which, <laughs> uh, um, well, if that's all to complain of at the age of 98, yes, I'm hoping uh, that, I'm the same. Uh, that really is. Yeah. Can I ask you a few questions about 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 your, your, your life? I mean, you, were, yes, were you okay. born in Leeds? No, I was born in Morley. Ah, okay. Born in Morley, from a family of... Uh, uh, a family of six children. I was the fourth. Uh, I had uh, uh, an older brother and sister, and uh, uh, older older two brothers and, and a sister, and a younger brother and sister. And unfortunately, they are all passed on. Right. Yeah. So you're the only one mm, left. So I'm the only one left. Right. Mm. And you're called Jack, but you were you, you actually John. Actually, yeah. John, as, uh, as I said before, uh, everybody called me Jack, and that's the only reason that that, that I was given at home anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because you were saying that, uh, I suppose, Jack, people weren't christened Jack, were they? That sort of shortening for James, and in those days you were a bit more proper, so John. Well, I, 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 I wouldn't know, really, but that, mm. that is the, uh, the the reason why yeah. the registrar wouldn't, they wouldn't call me Jack, he wouldn't call me Jack, so they put it John and call me Jack. Fantastic. As a matter of fact, that's not it's uh, uh, that, that's not uncommon. Uh, that's not uncommon. I met uh, uh, I met one other person that was in the same way a long, long time ago. Though I don't know who he is now. <laughs> right. So, did you did you grow up in Morley or did you move soon? No, I grew up in Morley, and um, that was uh, I had to start work just at the beginning of the war in 1939. I went to Morley Grammar School. Hmm. Uh, I passed to go to Morley Grammar School when I was 11 year old. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I left just before uh, the outbreak of war to get a job to help the family finance. Absolutely. What did you? What was your first job? Um, I got a first job in a, a, a stockroom, a stockroom in a, a in a dress manufacturing unit. Mm. Mm. Is that what you wanted to do, or is it just something it you was, and your family? It was something that was something that. Uh, uh, in those days, a job was a job, mm. and not like days if you had one in a job. Um, and uh, uh, I had to just do that. Yeah, I had to earn some money. Yeah, was your family in that line of business? No, no, no. Oh, so it was something new for you. And did you stay in that during the war? Or uh, I stayed in that until I was uh, conscripted. Right. I yeah. was conscripted in 1942. Yeah. Actually, on the anniversary of the uh, on the third of September, the anniversary of the war. Right. Okay. Mm. So three years into the war. Mm. So what happened then? Well, I was. Uh, uh, I went. I was. Uh, uh, 
uh, I was conscripted into the Royal Army Ordnance Corps mm. uh, and went down to uh, Portsmouth training. First time I'd been, uh, been that far anyway. Mm. When I got to London, I had half an hour to spare. I went walking around, walking around London, which was uh, uh, <laughs> an experience, really. I bet it was for a, a mm. Leeds lad or a uh, Morley lad. On your own. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And ordnance, if I correct me if I'm wrong, is to do with arm. Is to do with arms, isn't it? Or, uh, artillery. It takes care of everything that the army wants, really, yeah. including ammunition. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And eventually, um, eventually, I went to a, a vehicle reserve depot. Uh, where, um, uh, although uh, at that time I could drive, I, uh, when I was working at this clothing factory, the driver there taught me to drive <laughs> uh, on a bullnosed Morris car, van with a gas bag on the top. Why was the gas bag? Gas bag in place of petrol. Ah. I used to use gas, big gas bag on the top. Charge it off in petrol and then switch over to the gas. Haven't you never heard of that? I've never heard of that. No, that wasn't. And then uh, when I got to the vehicle depot, um, um, there was a, an occasion when there was a, a, an, ambulance, a, a, an ambulance in the way and this officer said, uh, move that. And I, uh, I got in and, uh, and moved it. And he, said, and he said, I didn't know you'd got a driving license. I said, I haven't got one. <laughs> so um, uh, it took me for a... Um, this officer took me to, I was in Condover, shoot near Shrewsbury, mm. and uh, uh, he took me uh, on, a, on a course, really, for an hour and a half driving back in here and there, and eventually mm. gave me a driving license. And eventually, after that, all the things in the, in the vehicle I got to use, I got to drive many, many things from, uh, uh, you know, from a, a utility van to uh, a staff car, whatever. And the amazing thing is you're still driving now. I am still driving now. At yes. the age of 98. Mm, I'm waiting for my licence to come back as a matter of fact. Well, fantastic. Mm. Um, to, but to, I'm interested in that first time you walked around London. Do you have any memories of that? Just uh, one memory, yes. I, I, I walked, I remember walking a long way down to Buckingham Palace through, through Trafalgar Square mm. to, to, to Buckingham Palace. I have quite a long wait. And... Uh, I always remember going through Trafalgar Square and down to Buckingham Palace and then back to Waterloo to go down to Portsmouth. Mm. Oh, was that so strong memories for you of walking? I mean, it must have been extraordinary, have you? You've probably seen well, pictures of Well, it was during wartime, of course. Yes, of and, course, um, yeah. yeah. It, that was an experience, really. Absolutely, mm. yeah. But from, uh, from the vehicle depot, uh, I went to a motorcycle depot. Right. And um, I learnt to uh, ride a motorbike. Did you enjoy uh, that? Yes, I had that put on my license, mm. actually, and um, um, I volunteered. And as a fact, I tend to tell. I, I want to tell you a story. Where where the barracks was was there been an old, uh, uh, an old, uh, uh, well, an old, where they shaped horses, and we were in the you know we were, we were billeted in the, in the horse boxes kind of thing, with, mm. Mm. and uh, I, I was on. Uh, I was on friendly duty on the uh, at the the entrance, mm. and the entrance was curved in and it came to a very narrow, very narrow place mm. where the entry box was. And during the night, uh, I heard a, 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 a whispering noise walking pa going past, and uh, someone on a bicycle, uh, instead of going down to the uh, uh, the uh, uh, little cottages that were down the lane, this uh, person. Swung into the into the uh, uh, into the opening, and I had no chance to say Alto goes there. So I pushed the I put the rifle through his front wheels, wow. and of course it went over the top. Unfortunately, it was a sergeant major. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were only doing your job. <laughs> so after that, I, I I wasn't I wasn't very popular, <laughs> and um, there was a um, a notice up for volunteers for. Um, uh, an ordnance beach detachment, mm. and uh, I wasn't very happy there with this sergeant major, so I volunteered to go there. All oh, right. And um, yeah. I became their I became their driver dispatch rider. Oh, right. Mm. That's how I went to. That's how I am a D-Day veteran. Yes. Okay. So what happened with that? You were the, uh, 
you um, went, well, yeah, what, what happened with D-Day? You went over with... I was over oh. in D-Day. Wow. I took a, uh, I drove over a jeep with a, with a motorbike in the back and a load of ammunition and goodness knows what. That's a hell of, that's a big thing. I mean, you know, so you actually went over on D-Day. I landed on I landed on Sword Beach, D-Day. What was that like? Uh, I don't like to talk about Fair it. Fair enough, really. I understand. Uh, it, yeah, it was yeah, not yeah. not nice. No. Um, I say, uh, I have a little rhyme, as I'll tell you. That I'm I'm uh, grateful uh, to be alive. I'm grateful to have survived. I'm sorry so many had to die. So many heroes, and there they lie, in Normandy. Yeah, after that, I think it was. Yeah. In fact, it was early, early mm. forty-five. Yeah, I'm named after him. You know, I, I from right away from uh, from what Wiesstrom, Luc Semer, Leon Semer, uh, back to Avranches. And... Mm. Absolutely. So you you married your wife in forty-five. So you went back th- back home together then. <laughs> yes. Well. Yes. Mm. And she was she from Leeds. Pardon? Is she from Leeds? Was she from Leeds as yes, well? Yes, yes, yes. She was born in Beeston. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, and she worked at the same at the same clothing firm. I, 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 I worked at when I first started work. Ah, right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I met right. her there. Brilliant. And did you? I mean, you, you sound you ended up with general manager. I mean, that's that's quite a high up. Did you enjoy that managerial role? Yeah, I did that for a few years. Mm. Uh, I worked for a good, uh, a very good uh, uh, blouse making uh, company, in, uh, and I was part of. I looked after. There were two sides sides to it. Uh, was, uh, one side was mail order, mm. and I looked after all the mail order orders. Fantastic, mm. and that was still still uh, a, a big trade in in West Yorkshire then textiles in the seventies, sixties, and seventies. Not so much now, I think, but yeah. No, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, as I get as I get to to uh, um, retiring age in nineteen eighty eight, the competition was starting. Uh, from abroad mm. in earnest, mm. and uh, were finding it very difficult to uh, very difficult to uh, to survive, yeah. and in fact, uh, they didn't survive only two years after I left. Mm. Mm. Right. Okay. But the uh, I, I still uh, I, I still uh, know my, I still get to know my old boss. He still phones. We, oh. we still we, we still communicate. Brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. Well, so, so you you retired over thirty years ago then. Mm. Yeah. Oh yes, nineteen eighty-eight. So that's twelve and twenty-one. That's thirty-three. Wow. Thirty-three years ago. Hmm. And how how's your retirement been? Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. I uh, uh, I've done many things. I've done many things really, and helped a lot of people. I mm. suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. My wife. My wife is a uh, a very good volunteer for me. Yeah. She volunteered me to do anything. You, want, <laughs> you wanted a, uh, uh, and and having a and in those days having a, a car, of course, um, and nobody else in the family had the car. You're you're the unofficial taxi driver. Mm. You know, and if you wanted a house, you wanted a, a room wallpapering, uh, well, Jack will do it for you. <laughs> uh, Jack will do this. Uh, don't worry. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you've obviously ended up doing lots mm. of, of of good stuff for people. Oh yes, yes, yeah. and I, uh, well, I've, I, uh, I played golf at South Lead Golf Club for uh, for quite a number of years. You good? Yes. What did you play off? I got down to eighteen. Pretty good. That I could. Uh, uh, I was a bit of a bandit at eighteen, I think. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so the so they tell me anyway. You, were you best on the long the long drives, or were you better on the greens? Uh, no, I was. I was generally really. Uh, I, I was quite good at. Uh, I was quite. I thought quite good at, at all at all, all aspects really. Uh, golf is a very. Uh, it's a very teaching game, you know. It teaches you about yourself, I think. It teaches you how to. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm. Not that I play very much, but yeah, it's a it's a good game. But uh, there again, yeah, yeah. Got to, uh, when I passed, I passed to go to the grammar school would be what when I was eleven year old, uh, and I, I always remember that uh, that uh, that uh, exam was. I, I always remember that exam was quite easy. I thought when I walked out of, the, mm. I can remember going thinking. Well, that wasn't very that wasn't very difficult. Yeah, uh, and I passed to go to the grammar school. Yes, that's so uh, that was a big thing though to go to the grammar. Were you with your any <coughs> excuse me other other members of your family who went to the grammar schools? No, only me. Uh, no, I was the uh, uh, bragging again. Uh, I, I was the uh, I was the intelligent one, mm-hmm. and uh, 
when I passed the girls in grammar school, we weren't, we weren't very, well, dad was a baker, uh, big family, money scarce. So to get there, uh, I took, uh, I took a, a, a newspaper boy's job, mm. at a, a newspaper news agent that uh, I knew, and I took papers out from a kind of morning, yeah. evening, Sunday, and even in those days there was a, uh, there was a sports echo, uh, tuppence. I used to go around shouting, sport echo, and so forth. <laughs> and I felt then uh, that helped. And also, uh, uh, besides being a, a, a news agent, uh, a, a, a paper boy, as you might say, mm. I got a I got a part time job in uh, in Morley Market in a fruit and veg stall. Wow! Really. This is while you were still at grammar school. Hmm. Well, I was still, and also um, I'd forgotten that I was a, uh, a telegram boy. And that was very good because I got the use of a bicycle. <laughs> right. <laughs> Vehicles have played a big part in your life. Yes, indeed, yes. Mm. Bicycles, mm. motorbicycles and cars, mm. yeah. And so now, Jack, you you live in Whitcote, not far away. You've come in, you've driven in today. So, mm. uh, yeah, how how do you feel looking back on your 98 years? That's, uh, I see, how, yeah. Well, I, I've, uh, I've, had a very, I've had a very enjoyable life, really. Mm. Um, Bragging again, I, 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 I think my wife and I have helped a lot of people with no children of our own. Why? I don't know. Uh, I can't tell you the reason why, except for the fact that she always had someone. She was a lovely lady, my wife. She always had someone to look after, yeah. no matter who it was. There was a, a lady up the street used to come on a Monday uh, and borrow half a crown from her. Mm. And she used to bring it back on a Friday. And then she borrowed it again on the Monday. Mm. Uh, and she was uh, uh, she, she was a lo- she's a lovely lady, with my yeah. wife. Yep, mm. absolutely. And you're going to see her this afternoon. I'm going yeah. to see her this afternoon. I've been she'd been in there since seventh uh, of May. I've been every day. Yeah, so mm. she's now in a, in a home. Is that right? Is she's in a home now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. But well, that that's nice. And you go every day. Yeah, I'm going now. Yeah. When I leave here. Brilliant. Mm. Oh, well, it's, yes. it's been lovely to talk to you, Jack. And, all right. Very good. And, yes. and I really, really wish you a happy, well, we all do, wish you a happy birthday on Monday. Well, uh, I, I can't be doing much, really. As I said, um, well. rightly or wrongly, age age is just a number. Uh, it is the way that you, you lead your own life. Um, mm. Lead your own life in relation to leading your own life, uh, how you deal with other people, how you live with other people, yeah. and how you get on. That's the important thing for you. That's yeah. the important thing for yeah. me. And it seems like it's, it sounds like it's been really important for you to help other people. Yes, indeed. Time. Mm. Always have done. Mm. Yeah. Well, may you, long, may, may you continue for as long as you can. Well, I hope so. Mm. <laughs> yes, I shall go on as long as I can. As I say, I'm going, I'm going to see you at uh, quarter past one today. Fantastic. Mm. I will have a bit of lunch before you go. Well, I you? do. Yes. Mm. Thanks very much, Jack. It's been lovely to have you. And, and come again and visit us, won't you? Well, I know what I'm going And I know who's going with me I know who I love But the dear knows who I'll marry I have stockings of silk Shoes of fine green Homes to buckle my hair and a ring for every finger. Feather beds or swords, painted rooms or bony. But I would leave them all for my handsome, winsome joy. Some say he's bad, but I say he's bonny. Finest of them all is my handsome, winsome Johnny. Yes, I know where I'm going. I know who's going. I know 
Finally, on Love the Words tonight, the second in an occasional series by Eleanor Snare. Uh, and this episode, Eleanor has titled The End of Year Episode. So some thoughts for the approaching end of 2021 from Eleanor Snare. How can we leave a positive legacy when we live in such a short-sighted world? My name is Eleanor Snare, I'm an educator, coach and writer and that's the question I'll be responding to in this segment. Find out more about me and my work by visiting www.eleanorsnare.com forward slash love the words. It's nearly the end of the year and I've been asking myself, what did I want to keep from my intentions set way back in January? And what did I end up releasing? Not everything I chose for myself for 2021 was sustainable. But as you know, it takes a while living with intentions and resolutions before we recognise that. Perhaps it even takes a year or more. I began the year with a particular focus on making house. Housework represents many of the things I find utterly dull the maintenance of existing situations rather than getting excited about new ideas, examining the material plane rather than the creative, conceptual or spiritual, and busy work, which seems to have little impact on life. Because once you've vacuumed the living room, guess what? You have to do it all over again in a week's time. I dislike housework just as I dislike doing my tax return or marking student submissions, it's repetitive, it's frustrating, and often the end result is quite disappointing. But I have come to realise that my long-term dreams depend on the joy and meaning I create in my daily life. A year, after all, is only a series of days. And if those days aren't healthy, fulfilling or delightful, then what would I have really achieved after hundreds of them even if I had achieved my boldest and biggest ambitions. I wasn't sure when focusing on these daily, minute actions as I moved through the year, what I needed to do or how frequently. At the start of the year, there was a little note in my diary with another thing to clean or to maintain, but not because I was forcing myself to do these things. Rather, I required a starting point a place to work from, perhaps in the wrong direction, but with direction nonetheless. Eventually, these reminders became less frequent. The excitement of this intention was less present. And I found that during the year, after the thrill of January, the pendulum swung back and I rebalanced. Moving through the year, we experience months of growth and energy those of quiet and reflection, and those months where we rebalance, months where we learn about the right fit between us, our daily lives, and our intentions, dreams, or ambitions. The writer and proto-environmentalist Henry David Thoreau, in the conclusions to his seminal work, Walden, wrote, we will not be shipwrecked on a vain reality. His argument here is that if the time and conditions are not yet right for what we wish to do, then pretending they are is a pointless endeavour. That even if we, as he says, erect a heaven of blue glass over ourselves, we shall be sure to gaze still at the true ethereal heaven far above. Our ego and vanity encourage us to construct realities here now, demanding that we get it right, right now. But our true reality, our true ethereal heaven, requires time and a pace, which is entirely of our own unique making and rhythm. I don't think I am meant to care all that much about housework, 
but I am perhaps meant to care about myself and the home in which I live more than I have in the past. After the complexities and difficulties of the last two years, perhaps this year was about finding the reality which is meaningful to me, after seeing the reality which didn't fit or obscured my view rather than helping me see more clearly. Yet, still, there's no rush and no demand to have an answer as the year closes, as that way lies shipwreck rather than smooth sailing. My intention is to gaze upon my true ethereal heaven, to always find the root of greatest ease, meaning and joy. And I trust that your intention is the same. <laughs>